So, all right, so we're going to get to the Word of God, and I'm going to do it like on fast forward, and I'm so excited. And I'm giving you a little bit of a, of a, of a warning. I'm feeling emotional, like, <laughs> Holy Spirit is here, and I'm feeling emotional about God, okay? It's not that time of month. I'm feeling emotional about God. That's what's going on here, Okay. So, so we are going to dig into the Word of God this morning, and I am so excited because I want to talk about Jesus. Does anybody here want to talk about Jesus? Like, I just want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about his character. I want to talk about his goodness. I want to talk about how trustworthy he is, that he never fails me. He just never lets me down. Is anybody here testified to that? That he never lets us down. I want to talk about Jesus today. You see, there's some big scriptures that we're going to go through in the book of Hebrews, and you can get it ready as I'm kind of like setting the stage here. But I want to talk about Jesus. And so Jesus, Lord God, I ask for your presence, Lord God, to come and to transform our hearts today with your word, Lord God. Don't let us leave here unchanged. Wreck us for you, Jesus. Wreck us for your gospel, for your message of salvation, and transform us today, Jesus. Yes. So, have any of you watched the Chosen series on television or that series? Hey, yeah, fantastic series, right? I just love it. And uh, I've been watching it with Dwayne. I've been watching it with Eden. And we've just been in a real season of watching the Chosen. And one of the things I love about it is that the actor who plays Jesus is so likable right? Isn't he? He's just so lovable. He's so personable. He's so caring, and he, he portrays Jesus with such a servant heart. And what I love about The Chosen is that it's really showing us the humanity of Jesus, right? We're really able to connect to scriptures and the humanity of Jesus, because Jesus wants to be relatable to us. He wants to be personal to every single one of us. He says in Romans that we are co-heirs with him, right? But what I almost feel like sometimes, and I don't know if you agree with me, but sometimes I feel like we have um, pulled the God part out of Jesus, right? That we have connected and, and we want the humanity because the humanity says to me, there's hope, right? If Jesus, who reflects God's character, can, can transform lives, then I feel like there's some hope for me, right? A wrecked, broken sinner. There's some hope when I connect to the humanity of Jesus. But what I want to talk about today is the godness. I think sometimes we pull Jesus down to our level, and today I want to talk about the godness of Jesus Christ. Does that sound okay? That sound okay? Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about him. You see, he is God incarnate. And that word incarnate is a Latin verb, and it means to make flesh. So when we say that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, we mean that God took on a fleshly bodily form, right? We know from John 1 that the word became human. We know this is Jesus. The word became flesh, it says, right? 
Now, I think what we do is when we think of, and and it's so hard for our minds to wrap around some of these concepts, because when Jesus was in the womb of Mary, he was still God. When Jesus was born as a baby, he was still God. When he was a little boy growing up, he was still God. And only Jesus can walk this, this line between two human nature, two, two natures, one that's divine and one that's human. And for us, it just can't even make sense. And yet, let us not take out the godness of Jesus. He was God first. And then he became flesh, right? And he's able to do this, to balance these two distinct natures, human and God. You see, and Jesus tells us exactly what his relationship is with the Father when we look to John 14. He says, and he's talking directly to Philip, he's like, I have been with you this whole time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? It's like, wake up, like anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, says Jesus, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I and the Father are one, the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. You see, Jesus is clearly saying this is his relationship with the Father. He's explaining it. He's like, the Father and I are one, the two. I'm not doing anything outside of the will of the Father. Whatever the Father tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. But what does it say about what God says about Jesus? What does God the Father say about the Son? And that's where we're going to dig into this big passage in Hebrews chapter 1. And we're going to read this. So here here it goes. If you want to open up to Hebrews 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So this is the stories that we have in the Old Testament, okay? And now in these final days, pick that up, final days, This is 2,000 years ago, but we're in the final days, okay? He has spoken to us through his son. And I want you to notice the son is a capital S. This is not a lowercase s. He's not referring to just like my son or your son. This is a a name of, of, um, of authority, right? This is a special name, the son with a capital S. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. Did you pick that up? Through the Son, the universe was created. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he cleansed us from his sins, this is the son. The son has cleansed us from our sins. And I want you to flip over to Hebrews. I know, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this. It's so good. Hebrews 2, I want you to flip over there. Verse 14. Because God's children are human beings. That's you. That's me. Made of flesh and blood right? That's us. The son also became flesh and blood. He needed to connect to us on our level. For only as a human being could he die. 
And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Okay, so that's why he had to do that. So let's go back to Hebrews 1 again. So now we're back to verse 3. And he, Jesus, sat down. So now we know why, right? Jesus had to come because he wanted to connect to us. He had to die a human death so that he could pay the penalty, so that he could defeat the power of sin and death. And then what happens in verse 3? He sits down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. After he breaks the power of sin and death, Jesus, the King of Kings, goes to his rightful spot, which is at the right hand of God the Father. You see, in the Old Testament... When a king was enthroned, there would be an acclamation, and then the king would go to their position, and that's where there would be their inheritance and their authority and their power now that they had been proclaimed and there had been this acclamation that they were the king. And we know in Matthew 3, 7, what does God say about his son? He says, this is my son, right, who I am well pleased. And so God's proclamation says, yes, Jesus, you are the rightful heir. You are the only one to receive the heavenly authoritative inheritance and to sit at the right hand of God himself. By Jesus defeating sin and death, he now sits beside God the Father. And what does he get? It says in Matthew 28, he receives all authority. All authority in heaven and all authority in earth. All power and authority. Verse 4. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. There is no name greater than the Son. There is no name greater than Jesus Christ our Lord. And you know, just in these first four scriptures, there are seven attributes that are listed to give us a picture of the godness of Jesus. The godness of Jesus. One, he is the heir of all things. Two, he's the creator of all the worlds, the universe, right? It says he was there at the beginning. Three, Jesus radiates God's glory. And four, he expresses the image of God. And these words actually mean it's like a stamp. It's an exact impression. That's what Jesus is. He's an exact impression of God the Father. Five, he sustains all things by power of his word because he is what? The word. Six, he cleanses us of our sins. And seven, he now sits at the right hand of God. And you know, God never said this to a, a, a person. He never said this to a man. He never said this to a woman. He never said these things to an angel. And what blows my mind about this scripture is that it describes who Jesus is. His godness. His godness. And even as a mature Christian, this last couple of weeks of, as I've been studying this, this chapter, I've been in awe of the godness of our Jesus Christ. You see, years and years ago, um, I felt like I had had an encounter with an angel. 
So, so before we read the next part of the scripture, I just want to tell you a little story. So I was a new Christian, and I was just on fire for Jesus. I was like a teenage boy at a free smorgasbord. Like, I just wanted to eat up everything of Jesus. And I was in five Bible studies a week, and my parents thought I was in a cult. And I was hungry for God. I was hungry. And so then my friend and I had stumbled across this book that taught you how to connect to your angel and how to pray to your angel and how to find out the name of your own specific angel. And so my friend and I, we were in a new age store. Yeah, we didn't know at the time, but my friend and I thought we were so witty we just thought we were so brilliant. And so we started praying to our angel and talking to our angel. And then we went to Bible study with some friends who've been Christians for a really long time. And we were so excited, like giddy, to explain to them that we knew the names of our angels. Well, yes, you're laughing because exactly, you know, the punchline, we were not talking to angels. We were talking to demons who were lying to us and convincing us of something that was a falsehood. You see, we're not called to, to talk to angels. We, we're not called. Scripture never tells us to pray to an angel, right? That is not the purpose. That's not the job of an angel. We don't pray to angels. Who do we pray to? We pray to God, right? We pray to Jesus. And then through that, God decides how he's going to send an army of angels, how he's going to send the messengers, and we stay focused. And so, yes, I did repent. Don't worry, I'm not operating in witchcraft or any of those things. I'm not praying to angels. Absolutely not. But you see, I wanted to share that with you because I want you to see the difference. We don't pray to angels, and yet they are empowered by the power of God right? They're empowered by God. They're not empowered by me, not empowered by you. They're empowered by God, and God sends them into battle, into war, into places for our defense, all right? So let's keep going in Hebrews 1. Now that we've talked about angels, we know that they're lower to Jesus, okay? They're lower to Jesus. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, and I, I, you gotta, you got to hold on. you got to pause. you got to really get this. This is what God the Father is saying to Jesus Christ. These are his words. He's saying, you are my son. That's what he's saying to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. And God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son... And the translation for supreme son is firstborn of all creation. Into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. You see, angels are not equal to Jesus. You, you don't worship something that you're equal to, right? I don't worship you. You don't worship me. We're equal. Angels, they worship Jesus because he's not equal to them. He is above them, right? And worshiping Jesus is a really big issue because it separates Christianity from a whole lot of world religions, right? If we think of Judaism, right? 
They're not, they're not worshiping Jesus. Nope, don't even believe the Messiah has come. Or Islam on the other side. Or cults like the Caesar cult that was in the beginning days um, just after Jesus died, right? Where you had to worship Caesar, right? Or, or maybe the Jehovah's Witness that think that Jesus is the archangel, right? These religions say, do not worship Jesus. And we as Christians are saying, yes, we worship Jesus. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Son of God. He is an equal part of the Trinity. And yes, we worship him. And then in verse 7, regarding the angels, he says, He sent his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. So this is Jesus. This is back to Jesus uses the angels for his glory, for his work, for his divine work here on earth. But to the Son, he says, this is God again, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. So God the Father, right? God the Father is saying to God the Son, Oh God, God is calling God, God. Amen. Like, wow, right? Is that the most beautiful authority-giving language you've ever heard? God, oh God, you rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, oh God, your God, he does it again. He's like, don't get confused. Stay on track with me here. He's like, I am saying this is God. God, oh God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth. Again, God the Father is calling God the Son, the Son, he's calling him God. And you made the heavens in your hands and they will perish, but you will remain forever because God is eternal and they will wear out like old clothing and you will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. Didn't we prophesy that this morning? Yes, we did, but you are always the same. Jesus, you are always the same, and you will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. right? Wow. Wow. How does that not transform your heart? Wow. God, you are to be worshipped. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We bow in your presence, Lord Jesus, our God, our King. You see, when, when the angels are in the right place in our minds, they have a magnificent role to play in the part of what God wants to do to bring heaven to earth, right? One, angels worship Jesus. That is their foremost, first job on the top of the job description for an angel is to worship Jesus. That's number one. And then number two 
is to be a messenger, to help us in salvation. Why? Because there's an enemy who wants to steal your salvation, who wants to rob your salvation, who wants to plant thoughts into your mind and get you distracted and derail you. And so God uses the angels as a tool, as an instrument to keep you on a track of your salvation. You see, and God has established that Jesus is an equal part of the Trinity. And it just, it blows my mind when I think of Jesus. And when he went back to heaven, I don't know, have you guys ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this? This week, I've just been thinking of this so much. So, so just go there with me. So Jesus, God incarnate, he comes here, fully God, fully man, then he dies. 33 years, he's not been in heaven or he's God. So has he been in heaven, but he's also been on earth? I don't really know. But my mind is blown just thinking about it. And here he is, and he's on earth, but, but, but he's not fully, maybe, in heaven. And so can you imagine the anticipation of the angels who were created to worship Jesus, our King? Can you imagine the atmosphere? Can you just imagine the temperature of heaven? when Jesus walked in that day because he had defeated sin and death. Doesn't that just give you goosebumps? Could you imagine that atmosphere? Could you imagine the celebration? Jumping and screaming and yelling, worthy is the lamb! Worthy is the lamb! He's defeated sin and death, and what does he hold in his hands? The keys to heaven and hell, because he has all authority. He has all authority. Yes. I'm going to read to you a little bit from Revelation, and, uh, and, um, and I want you to close your eyes. Because you know I'm really imaginative and I'm really creative. And so I kind of want you to try and be imaginative with me. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want to just paint a picture for you of heaven. And this is all based on scripture. This is not my words. This is the words of God. Revelation 1. Jesus enters heaven wearing a long robe with a gold sash. His head and his hair are white like wool, as white as snow. Jesus' eyes are like flaming fire, and his feet are like polished bronze. They're dazzling and radiant, and his voice is like the thundering mighty ocean waves. And in Jesus' right hand, he's holding seven stars. We know how big stars are. Jesus is holding seven stars in his right hand. And out of his mouth, he uses his left hand to pull out a double-edged sword. His face is brilliant. It's radiant as the sun. It is our Alpha and our Omega. And he says... Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. 
And then John says that he saw this scroll that was in the hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. And there was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll and it was sealed with seven seals. And he sees a strong angel who shouts out in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one, no one on heaven or earth was able to open it and to read it. And so John began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. But then one of the 24 elders says to John, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and the seven seals. And then John sees the lamb who looks like it's been slaughtered. He's paid that price for you and me, that atoning blood. And he's now standing between the throne and the four living beings. Where was Jesus standing? At the throne, because he's been given all authority. He has seven horns and seven eyes. Have you ever imagined Jesus with seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out to every part of the earth? And he stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. You see, Jesus doesn't hesitate. He doesn't hold back. He knows his authority. He knows his position. And with confidence, with no questioning, with no words, he steps forward and he takes the scroll. And the elders fall down before the lamb. And each one has a harp. And they hold gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. That's you. Keep, keep with me. Just, just imagine you're holding that bowl, right? Those prayers of God's people. And they sing a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God that's us church that's us and they will reign on earth and then I looked again John says and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne 10,000 times 10,000 angels. That's 100 million angels. I searched and the largest stadium in the world is in North Korea and it holds 150,000 people and you would need 667 of those stadiums to equal 100 million angels that circle the throne room of God. And what do they say? A hundred million angels, imagine with me the sound. What does it sound like to hear them singing? Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches. Can you hear it? And wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang. And church, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Blessing and honor and glory and power. Blessing and honor and glory 
Come on, church. This is your Jesus that you love. You are worshiping him today. You are casting your crowns at him. You are surrendering your life to him. You know you are nothing without him. Say it with me. Let's worship him. Blessing and honor and glory and power. Repeat again. Belong to the one sitting on the throne. And to the Lamb forever and ever. Let's do it again. Blessing and honor and glory and power. Belong to the one sitting on the throne. And to the Lamb forever and ever. And they said, Amen. 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 Jesus. Yes. Worthy is the Lamb. <laughs> holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. My beloved church, Keep your eyes closed. And I want you to just answer this honest question. Do I love Jesus as God? Do I worship him with every fiber in me? Worship him. Worship him. He is our worthy lamb, and he is the only one worthy to open the scroll. He is the only one holding the keys to heaven and hell. He is the only one with all authority in heaven and on earth, and he releases that to you as a co-heir with Christ, as a child of the risen king. And so whatever your struggle, whatever your problem, whatever darkness that you're facing, whatever dysfunction that you have, whatever bad choice that you've made, whatever sin that you're stuck in, whatever trap that you've dug yourself into, whatever ditch you are in, whatever grave you have buried yourself in, Jesus is supreme and he is more than enough. Worship him. Worthy, 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 worthy is our lamb to overcome every struggle that you have in your life. And church, I want to ask you if you would commit this next week to 10 minutes every single day of just worshiping Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, oh, I already do that. Yay, amen. But let's spend 10 minutes every day just worshiping our King, bowing before the altar. Because he has the answer for every one of our struggles.
He is the anointing oil of joy to pour out over all of the darkness that we see. So church, I'm going to ask for you to stand. And worship team, I'm going to ask for you to come. And I want to close in prayer today. And I want to just ask first, if you are new and you are like thinking, who is this God? Who is this Jesus? I want to just invite you. Today is your day to say yes to him. And so let's close our eyes. And if you feel like today for the first time, you're like, I get it. I get who Jesus is. I get what he's done for me. I get that he is God, that he is supreme. And I want to surrender my life to him. Then I want you just, all of us here, let's just close our eyes. And if you're like today, yes, I'm taking that step forward in boldness and confidence. I want you just to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Today is that day. You're like, yes, today, today, I believe, I believe. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord God, that you are the God of salvation. And so, Jesus, we repent, Lord God. We confess our sins, Lord Jesus. We confess these things that separate us between us and you, Lord Jesus. And we ask for the blood of the Lamb to pour out over our sins, Lord God. Because we believe in you, Jesus. We believe and we say yes, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. And for all of us here, let's come to the altar and worship our King. Because God is infinite. He is wise and faithful. He is a provider. And so, Jesus, we just give you all the honor and the glory and the praise today, Lord God. We say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We worship you today, Jesus. We ask that you would pour out into our iniquities, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would restore us, Lord God, to your wholeness that you would refine us in your righteousness, Lord God, that you would move us in sanctification, Lord Jesus, that you would have a transformation in our hearts, Lord God, because we believe you are holy, 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 and you are worthy. You are worthy. And we ask, Lord God, for a move. We, we want a move of your spirit in this place and in this city and in northern British Columbia, in our world. We want a move of God, Lord Jesus. And so we repent of our sins because we know that we are faithless. We know that we are stubborn and prideful and full of sin, Lord God. But we repent and we cast our crowns before you. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. And Lord God, this is not going to ever happen on our time, on our works, on our faith, but Lord Jesus, on yours. And we say, yes, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus, we believe you want to release heaven, that you want to release heaven to us, Jesus. And so we say, yes, yes, release heaven, release the spirit, release your gifts, fall on us to, like, like rain today, Lord Jesus, Fall on us, Lord God, because we need you. We are desperate for a move, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.